Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I am your host and also a certified financial planner. And I am here today with my guest, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Great, thanks. So, Sarah, give us some info on you. Where are you from? How old? Um, single, married, children, all that, all that good stuff. All right, yes. So, I currently live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm 28 years old. I am single and have no kids. Um, so, that's good for my expenses. Um, <laughs> And I currently make 103000 as a salary. That's a great salary. Yes, yes. And I, I think work. you might be our first person from Nashville. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. I love Nashville. It's such a fun city. It really is. Um, and it's very up and coming. Now there's a ton of transplants here, but uh, I really enjoy it. Now, are you from there originally or did you move there for, for a job? I relocated for work. I'm actually from Chicago originally. Oh, very nice. And what do you do for work? So I work within um, advertising. Advertising? Yes. Nice. All right. So then, how are things going? You have a great you have a great salary for a single person because, um, as you said, kids are expensive. <laughs> so what's going on with your finances? So what do you pay? Or do you rent or do you own in Nashville? So I'm currently renting, and my rent is uh, sixteen hundred a month, and that does include rent and utilities. Um, I am very lucky. I don't have any debt from school. Um, that said, I do have some long-term goals that are very, uh, what I would perceive to be pretty expensive. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to manage that moving forward and how do I set myself up for success, knowing I'm kind of in a sweet spot right now with very minimal expenses um, as a single person. Well, no student loans. I mean, that is a huge, that's a game changer. Yes, it really is. Yay. Okay. So then, so it sounds like, so you have your rent. You, do you need a car down there or no? I do, um, but I actually have a company car. Wow. So you, so what is your biggest expense rent? Yes. That's fantastic. Okay. So let's talk about these lofty goals. Yeah. So I, a couple of things I do want to, and I have been planning or trying to budget against a savings goal of being able to get my MBA. Um, and I'd like okay. to try to be able to do that without having to take out a lot of loans. Um, I also, I, I've for the past couple of years, I don't feel like I have enough money saved up for a down payment on a house, but I it has been something I've been thinking about. Do I want to, you know, people often position renting as kind of just throwing money away. Um, mm -hmm. so I'd love to talk about, you know, are there any pros and cons to uh, over renting? Yes, exactly. And then lastly, I, I do, you know, like to keep a good amount of money as an emergency fund off to the side. Um, so I have that as kind of consistent savings, but I'm also interested in talking about how can I, are there any additional income streams I should look at, um, whether it's passive or something I do actively, but that's something, you know, I, I want to make sure I have a diverse um, portfolio and potentially additional income streams if that's 
something I could manage. Yeah, I mean, I love that idea. So let's go over to start. So you have no debt, right? Correct. Okay. And then what do you have currently saved up? So right now I have, in my total, I have about 125, but about half of that is in a 401k. So I've got 48,000 in a 401k, 16 in a Roth IRA, and then I keep a savings account so that each year I'm able to contribute um, $6,000 a year. And then in an emergency fund, I have about um, 16,000. 16,000 in the emergency fund? Yes. Okay. So that, wait, that doesn't quite add up to 125. So let me see where I skip. Am I missing something? No, probably not. <laughs> I'm pulling up, I, I use personal capital. So I've got it all there. So, okay, I should clarify. It has my net worth at 125. Okay. So yeah, I've got about 48 in 401k, 16 in a Roth IRA. Oh, I missed a big chunk. Close to 40,000 um, in some investments that are mostly in money, mar- the money market and some ETFs. Okay. So some of it, so yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm only at 80. Um, <laughs> okay. So that's better. Okay. So you have a $40,000 investment account now. And you said some of that's in a money market. Yes. Okay. So the money market is usually a cash equivalent. So it makes maybe a little bit right now with the low interest rate might probably doesn't make much, but so that's available to you. So it doesn't, it's not affected by the ups and downs of the market. Yeah. And so that's actually um, some of that, what's in the money market in there is meant to be the emergency fund so that I could take it out at any time, but it's making a little bit more interest than what would just be in a typical savings account. Perfect. Okay. And how is that titled? Do you have a beneficiary on that individual account? I don't think so. I don't know. Probably they almost always don't set them up, but you should add a beneficiary to that account. Okay. Because you have a beneficiary on your 401k and your Roth, right? I definitely do on my 401k. I don't know about my Roth. Yeah. So check both of those and just make sure that you have someone down. And so because it's not a retirement account, it's not called a beneficiary. It's usually either like a pay on death or a transfer on death. They have some other word for it, but you want to add somebody so that if God forbid something happened to you, that that would go to whomever you name. Okay. Thank you. Whomever, whatever, two people, one person, but that, so that there's some, there is a, essentially a beneficiary listed on that and definitely for your Roth as well. Got it. Okay. So I think we should talk about the down payment first. Okay. Because I do think your rent is really cheap and it's very, very, it, I mean, I've done both rented and owned and it's really nice to rent because it's not, nothing's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what I've enjoyed about it. Um, and like I said, I know you can kind of look at it two ways. A common school of thought being that buying, you know, allows you to put that money into more of an, in, an asset as opposed to renting. It can feel like you're just throwing money away. But what mm-hmm. always worried me about buying is I don't know that I have a, a reason I want to buy right now. I'm not totally certain where I want to be. I, I don't, even if I were able to afford the down payment, I don't think I'd be able to afford to decorate a house. So I don't really want to just get a house to get one, but I am interested to know if that is a good investment that I should continue to seek out should the right opportunity become available. So you're right. There are a lot of other expenses that you have to think about when you're purchasing a property. So those expenses would be insurance, right? Um, Taxes. And then I think maintenance is a big one, depending on how old the the home is that you buy or condo, townhome, whatever it is that we're talking about. Um, You definitely want to be setting aside money for when those expenses come up, when you need a plumber or you need an electrician or you need a new hot water heater or whatever it is, right? Those things happen or your stove breaks or something like that. And those are expensive and you want to have the money 
ideally saved up and you want to have a good solid emergency fund for that. I do think though that with the low interest rate, it makes it really interesting to buy, especially if you think you're going to be there. I would say if you're going to be there for three to five years, it would probably be worth it. Okay. If you are really unsure about where you're going to be and it's possible that next year you change locations, then I would absolutely say don't do it. Yeah. And I'm probably in between there, like two to three years is kind of what I had said to myself. But that said, I also really love the city. So it may end up being longer than that. And maybe that's just a decision I can better make once I know for certain where I think I will be next. Yeah, I would say that the house is a, it's a big purchase, right? So it's a lot of money. It's a big investment. And so I wouldn't be in a rush to do it if it doesn't, if you're on the fence about it, you might not even enjoy the whole experience, right? Yeah, that's very true because I know it can be very stressful and going through the closing process and everything. And I don't have a ton of motivation personally to do it. It's more just like I, I you feel like you should. Yes, exactly. So why don't we do this? Why don't we kind of save for, since you have really good income, I do think it would be prudent to put money away for a down payment so that when you are ready to make the decision, whether that's in a year or two years or four, that you then have the money saved up. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Does that make sense? So then it's always an, it's an option that you can take advantage of when you decide it's right. But I don't think I would buy just because buying is the best financial decision because it is such a big financial decision. And it's you don't want to jump into it unless you really are ready to do it because you need to pay for the insurance, the taxes, the maintenance, the closing cost, and then the mortgage, right? Yes. Okay. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. And interest rates are at you know all-time low, so I really do like the idea of having a mortgage. And it wouldn't be your dream house to start, and then you would all you know obviously you'd need to decorate it. And so maybe even if you want condo or townhome, and then you also have you know you have HOE fees. So if, I feel like if you're on the fence, I would err on the side of not doing it. Okay. But I do think it's prudent to save because at some point, if you're on the fence now, I do think at some point you're going to cross over and say, okay, I'm ready. Yes. Yes. Agreed. And I mean, do you feel like it is a a waste of money to be renting? I don't think it's a waste of money to be renting if it's the right situation for the time being, if that makes sense. I don't think you should rent your entire life. No. Okay. That makes sense. If you can, if you have a good income and you have low expenses, then I definitely think you should save up and you should buy. That being said, I don't, it's a big purchase. You probably, most people will probably only buy two homes in their life. I don't think it's something that you should rush into if you're not prepared for it or ready for it. Okay. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. You can't undo it. I mean, you can, but you can't get in the house and then a month later be like, you know what? I want to be a renter. Yes. I mean, you could, but that would be, you know, you, you can end your lease at any point you want, right? You could walk away. Right. Okay. That's great perspective. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do think though, because your income is so good and you have such low expenses, I do want you saving for a down payment. And I mean, you could use your investment account for a down payment you would need some of that for closing costs and then but I do think you should bulk up if you're going to if you're going to buy something in the future I mean I th- I prefer that people put down 20% it eliminates you having to pay PMI which is primary mortgage insurance if you if you would put down anything less than 20 you have to pay that additional insurance so I prefer to save up where you have 20% for a down payment and then you definitely still want to have a good emergency fund okay so I do think it's a goal you should work towards I wouldn't push it on you in the next 12 to 24 months though And so with that, what type of savings account would you recommend for something like that? Where, you know, I I would plan to use it probably within the next five years, depending on this exact situation. But in general, I consider myself much less risk averse. So like it's comfortable for me to just save in a Chase savings account. But I also know that that's not the smartest thing for my money. So what type of 
savings account would you recommend for a goal like that? So I typically, if it's going to be something in the near term where you're going to pull the money out in like 24, 36 months, I wouldn't put it in the market just because you don't know what it's going to be worth it. You know, you know, if you put it in the bank, you know exactly what you're going to have in 36 months. You don't know what you're going to have in the market in 36. And everyone likes to take the optimistic view that you're going to have more, but it's very possible you have less, right? Sure. Okay. So I would, while you're in this stage of figuring out kind of what you want and where you want to put your money and what is going to make the most sense for you and your career and your life, I would probably put it in, I'd leave the 40,000 that you already have invested and leave that invested. I would do from, from this point on, then I would put the rest of the money. I would just do a high yield saving or a CD. And then I would reevaluate this in two years and say, okay, am I ready to make, I have more money saved up so I can more comfortably now purchase a house and have, and not have all the financial pressure because I have money for closing costs. I have money for a down payment and I have a really healthy emergency fund. And if you decide at that point that you're going to change cities and you're not sure where you're going to want to buy, then, and it's going to be farther out than you thought, then maybe you can invest a portion of it, but I would give it a two, I would give it 24 months. Okay, great. You don't lose by having cash, right? Yes. You can always go and put it in the market. What you can't do is put it in the market and then guarantee you can take that same amount back out. Right. Okay. And between the two high yield savings or CD, is there, do you have a preference for one over the other? Whatever's going to pay you more. <laughs> okay. And I wouldn't lock it up for more than 24 months because that's like the time frame we're going to plan for. Um, so now I have a couple other questions. With your work retirement plan, you have the 401k, are they matching you? Yes. So my company matches up to 6%. So I'm currently contributing. Seven percent. So I'm taking advantage of the match, and then a little bit more on top of it. Perfect. That's great. They give you six percent. Yes, it's very helpful. And do you know how long you have to stay there to keep it? I believe it's uh, three years. Okay. And how long have you been there? Um, just coming up on one year. Okay. So yeah, let's plan in two years because then in two years you're vested. <laughs> yes. So you get to keep your six percent. That is a very good point. I'm, this two years is making more and more sense. This is making more. Two years we save more for a down payment. We are fully vested in our company match. Um, there's a lot of benefits to this, and and two years will go quickly, as yes. you know. Yeah, that's a, a very comfortable time period. Yeah, and then that way you can really think about: Do you want to be a homeowner? Yes, definitely. Okay, so then tell me about what you have left over per month after your rent and your basic expenses so that we can figure out where we could allocate things. And I actually might lean towards putting a little bit more in retirement. Okay, so I have, let's see, about roughly 4200 uh, take home after rent. And that also includes what comes out for my 401k. So you have 4200 left over. Yes. After rent. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to say just out of the gate is I think we should get you to 10% on the 401k because then you're at 16% for retirement. Okay. And then that way we're planning on staying, we're doing, we're planning for two years. So then you'll be fully vested with the money that the company has given you for three years, which will be 18% in six years, 6% each year. Right. So that'll be a good chunk of change. It'll be worth, I think it'll be worth staying with them to keep the match. Okay. Okay. So if we take 3% away, it's not a big amount from your what your take what your take home is going to be because it's only three percent more so let's just say now we i don't think it'll be two hundred dollars a month but let's just say now we have four thousand left over and we also want to talk about grad school yes how do you feel about putting two thousand dollars away a month um let me see so what am i currently putting away so i have some audience yeah, what are you saving now so right now i save about um 1100 so increasing that to 2000 mm -hmm. would be 2900 so i it's doable and and here's the thing i'm very willing to 
stretch myself. I, I also, I think I keep in general, like around $2,000 in my checking account that never gets touched. So I think if I am moving more money into savings, I, I'm comfortable with it. And give it a whirl. If it work, if it's too much, then go bump it down. You could even do it every other month. But what I want to do is see if we can get your emergency fund up higher. Cause then that way, cause here's what I'm thinking. If in two years, we, if you're able to save, let's just say we don't do, you increase it, even if you increase it by $700 a month and we do 1800 a month more or 700 more. So you're saving 1800 a month, you know, for the next 24, that works out to be $43,000 roughly. Yeah. That's pretty significant. It's very significant. <laughs> Cause then in, then in your cash account, you know, if we combine, the, if we add that into your emergency fund and we just add it all up, that's 59000 that you have in cash. Okay. Then you could say, do I want to go back to grad school? Because I would imagine grad school might not be in Nashville. Yeah, I, I don't know. It'll depend. But unless I were to go to um, Vanderbilt here, it would I would be outside of Nashville anywhere else. Yeah. So I, so that's what I would do. I would really, while you have really good income and low expenses, I would bulk up on cash. It just gives you more optionality in the future. Okay. I like that. So I would increase the retirement to 3% so that your contribution is 10 and your employer match is six. So you're doing 16% towards retirement. That's a really good number. You know, in two more years, you're going to really see your 401k bump up. And then can I ask a question about that? And this might've been something I should have shared with you over email ahead of time. But um, so within my 401k, there are all these allocations you can select. And um, I had my brother help me out with it, but my return is good right now, but how often should I be rebalancing my 401k? So if you're managing it yourself, I don't think you probably need to rebalance it more than once a year. I would look at it at least quarterly. So here's the thing. When you set up those allocations and let's just, we'll just use a hypothetical, but let's say you pick five different mutual funds and you do 20% for each fund. Typically you don't go and rebalance it until it gets like three to 4% out of whack, which I would say then one, one fund is now at 24% and one fund is now at 16, right? Yeah. Then I would go and rebalance it. But if it's 21 and 19, I'd kind of leave it alone. Okay. So if you think about it, if you were to line up all five mutual funds at like the start of a race, of a race, right? If when they're running the race, they're all fairly even, then you don't need to do anything. When one gets way ahead of the other one, then you need to rebalance okay. it. Got it to give you a visual that's typically and so typically you need it to I mean it is very possible that we have a crazy month or a crazy quarter and then it does get out of whack really quickly but most often you need a little bit more time for you to see a big difference with the allocation that you've chosen okay, got it okay wonderful yeah and so you just have to monitor it so like if you look at it look at it every quarter and then on the second quarter it's only been six months and it's out of whack where you know one account with it, one fund, it started at 20% and now it's at 26. Well then do it then. Right. But if you look at it and it doesn't, it's really not out of balance at all. Everyone's pretty even in the race, then I would leave it alone. Okay, great. But it's definitely important to rebalance if that happens, because what that's forcing you to do, which most people don't want to do is we'll just say fund A is now at 26% or 27%, right? You started it with 20. So that's your winner, right? That one is winning the race and has made the most money. It forces you to sell some of that money and add it to the person that's losing the race. So we'll just say fund, what did I say? A, did I say fund A? So then A, B, C, D, E. So then fund E, let's just say the last person in the race is really, really lagging. So it forces you to take money from fund A, your winner, and put it into fund E, your loser. Right. Technically, you're a loser. But what that's forcing you to do is to 
to follow the old adage, which is sell high, buy low, right? Yes, that makes sense. And but what most people want to do is say, oh my God, look at fund A. Fund A is 7% higher than all the other funds. I want to put more money there. Right. (laughs) But that doesn't, that doesn't go along with the concept, which is, you know, sell high, buy low. Okay. Awesome. And, and that's why, because of that, when it's only 1%, you have to look at those numbers and say, is it really worth it to do this rebalance? Because I'm going to be selling, I don't know, let's just say $500 to put it in the bottom one. Maybe it's worth it, but usually you want to wait for okay. it to be more out of whack. That is good to know. But it would definitely up it. So I would definitely up it by 3% so that that way your retirement savings is just about 16%, which okay. is a great number. So that means then total... Um, on your salary for doing 16%, you're going to be putting in for retirement $16,480 a year. So then in two years, you're going to add another almost 33000 without market gain. And you're already at 48000 right? So just without any market gain, wow. that should get you to eighty. So if the market goes up, which we know the market can go up or go down, but if the market were to go up in that time frame, then it would be... Okay slightly higher than 80. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, if we if you do this for two years, your net worth will change dramatically because now we have 80, just think about this. So then we have 80,000 in the 401k instead of 48, right? And then we get your cash up to 59,000, right? And let's just say you're able to still do 6,000 into the Roth, that's then 23. And let's say your investment account We'll just say your investment account grows by 5000 We don't add anything else into that. Let's just see what your new net worth would be. So it's not really including many market fluctuations in, inside of this. So we would be at 207000 Wow. Yeah. We have good, you have a good income and you have low expenses, right? So that's the key. Yes, absolutely. 59 would be your emergency fund. We get the company and the company matches huge. That's so $12,000 you're going to get just from working there. That's awesome. In your 401k. It is. And I feel like I don't often think about how much that'll end up adding to my overall. Yeah. It's a great number that they contribute for you. So yeah, I think then this, this gives you more options and to you for you to figure out. I think the ideal situation is if you could get your company to pay for you to get an MBA. With their current education reimbursement, it it doesn't cover the cost or nearly what the cost would be. So that's why I'm imagining it's going to be a hundred K plus expense. Do you think it's going to make a big difference in your salary or your career? Like, do you think you're going to get the return on that? If you were to consider a hundred thousand at 7% interest rate, what you would pay an in interest every year on that? Over time. Yes. I don't think, I mean, some people have said it was immediate. I don't think given my line of work, I would see an immediate um, ROI, but within five years I should. It's definitely something to consider with with taking on because it's a great position you're in right now to have no debt. So you just want to make sure if you're going to make that, I would think of that as an investment. Okay. So this way, if you do this for two years and you save between, you know, if you do about 1800 a month and then you increase the 401k up by 3% for your contribution and then continue everything the same, um, it'll really dramatically increase your net worth over the next 24 months. And then you can decide what you want to do. You're going to have almost 60,000 in an emergency fund. You're still going to have your investment account, which hopefully it grows a little bit, but if not, that's worth 40 at the moment. So then you have a hundred thousand dollars. You can figure out, do you want to use that towards a down payment? Do you want to use that to help pay for school? You have a lot of optionality at that point. Okay. That's great. So the one question I haven't addressed yet is an additional income stream. Yes. 
So, okay. So here's my thought. I really like that idea. And that's why I think for the next two years, you just need to focus on saving cash. But then from that point, you can decide like, maybe I'm going to use 50,000 to pay off to pay for my student loans. I'm going to take 50,000 for a house purchase or maybe 60, 40, whatever you decide to do, but you have now cash saved for this, right? Yeah. If you were to buy a property, I would suggest getting a property that's either two family, multifamily, or has a basement apartment you can rent or taking on a roommate. Okay. Then that way you have income stream. It's not as glamorous as having, a you know, your total in place. And maybe you have to be in a neighborhood that is not your number one neighborhood. But I would use the home purchase for you as not only a home purchase, but also as an investment. Okay. So it has some sort of investment component. I like that idea. It's It's... It is very nice. I must say I own a property myself and I have a tenant in one portion of the building and it is lovely to have someone pay your mortgage. Yeah. Um, and that was the other thing I was thinking about. You know, I know Airbnb is such a big thing now. Is there an opportunity to mm-hmm. have a property that would allow me to somehow Airbnb a portion of it or something if I don't, if I didn't have a permanent tenant? Yeah, that's another option. Maybe you have a basement and you rent it out. So when you that's why I would save up the down payment and figure out what, what it is that's going to be the priority for you to spend the money on. So then that way, when you have this amount saved up, then you can look at the properties and say, you know, am I able to, because here's what I'm thinking. If then maybe you, you see that you're able to buy a property and it's going to have an investment component, whether it's a, a multifamily where one you rent, you keep one unit for yourself, one unit you rent out, but you have to spend more than you want. Then maybe you push grad school off one more year. Do you know what I'm yes. saying? Yeah. You just weigh the pros and cons and what is going to fit your lifestyle and your financial goals the best. But at that point, you've given yourself those options because you have enough money saved for either. Okay. And maybe you split the difference or maybe you don't. Maybe you say, you know what? I don't really want to have a tenant and I don't want to buy a property. I'm going to move and I just want to go to grad school and I want to do that. And that's my priority. Then maybe that's how you spend the money. But at this, if you if you stick to the plan for two years, then at least you're in a position where you could choose to do one or the other or even split the difference and say 50,000 will go through grad school and I'm going to use 50,000 to buy a condo or whatever it is. Okay. That makes sense. And so then, I mean, the priority in the meantime for the short term just becomes keep expenses as low as possible and save as much as possible. And I think I would prefer to see you buy a property and have a rental income (laughs) if I had to choose. (laughs) And then have you, like in my ideal world for you, I would have you do that and then have you maybe keep your job and work part-time and then go to grad school so that you can kind of carry the cost of grad school with whatever income you're bringing in. Yeah. And I probably should have mentioned that my plan would always to be, has has always, or what I've envisioned is to go back just as a part-time or as an executive program. So I would be able to maintain an income while going to school. Yay, thank God. I was just like, oh my God, this would be so amazing. She saves all this money and then we spend it all on school. I hate to see that. Not that I don't like school. I just feel like the price that they charge for it is too high for the return. It's crazy. It really is, I feel like, becoming just outlandishly expensive to do it. Yeah. It's obscene, I think, for what they charge. Like if you were like, I want to go to grad school and it was 30,000, like, great. You save that money up in like a year and a half, you go to grad, like, a hundred thousand. I mean, they're not. It, it really is. It's and nuts. I had looked at, um, you know, other degrees, like, is there anything less expensive than an MBA, but even a master's in marketing, it's $60,000 for 10 months time. So while it's not as much money, what you're getting, I, I mean, that's something I feel like would not, you wouldn't see a return on that for probably longer than an MBA. Yeah. You wouldn't get a return. 
Yeah, it's crazy expensive. So here, oh, so, okay, so that's really good to know because I then if you have a hundred thousand saved, you should easily be able to get an, get something. Still have a solid emergency fund, have money for closing costs, and then I would really do. I really would look for something where. So you don't have to, not that I'm against Airbnb being your primary portion that you live in, but it would be easier, I think, if you Airbnb the basement or if you, if it if it's a multifamily. Maybe it's not as much space as you want, but then it's split into two units and then you take one unit and then rent out the other Airbnb or permanent tenant or something like that. Because then also the way to think about it is if you did that first and then you plan to go to grad school or an executive MBA while working, that would help supplement your income. Yes. Okay. That definitely makes sense. But so for the next two years, focus on saving cash. And then from there, if you're going to commit to buying, you can look at the buying as it gives you the opportunity to build equity, but it also gives you some sort of passive income. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other questions? Um, no, those were kind of my, my main three that we covered. So um, I'm just taking a look at any notes I wrote. No, I think that all sounds good. Wonderful. Well, let me wrap this up for our listeners. So for our lovely listeners, if you could rate and review us, we would appreciate it. You can do that on iTunes. And then you can also follow us on Instagram at financial. And if you want to learn more about personal finance, you can check out our class that we offer with in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.planancial.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.